Zion Williamson showed out on the defensive side Tuesday night, but can we realistically expect that from him day in, day out? And how good do the Pelicans need to be at the deadline for them to make a significant trade? Plus, who are the X factors going into the season? So your questions answered in today's episode of Lockdown Pelicans. Let's go. You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here, here with y'all on, I almost forgot what day of the week it is, Thursday, preseason is over for New Orleans. They ended on a high note, particularly with how Zion Williamson played. We'll look at if he can keep that going the whole time. I want to talk about kind of requirements for them to make a trade and then one or two X-Factor players that I think are going to be important for the team this season. So, of course, thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We are here Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, coming to you like no one else is, the number one Pelicans podcast. I hope you were able to join the live show last night. We're going to do a lot more of those this season, post-game shows, where we can talk about what it is we want to talk about, interact with the chat as well. Well, and if you want to support the channel, become an everyday or listen Monday through Friday, because that's when we're here breaking it all down. If you're an everyday or let me know in the comments down below on YouTube or just comment down below on YouTube. That actually really helps the channel. So even just saying hi, comment, go Pels, you hate me. That wouldn't be, well, if you're going to hate me, just at least do it in a nice way and not some of the ways that some people do. And that has to just get reported to YouTube, unfortunately. Anyway, let's get into it. Zion. Showed out on the defensive side of the ball. Five steals, two blocks. It was a really impressive performance from him. And so the question that I want to answer here comes from Connor S2. It's at Connor S2 underscore on Twitter X. And he says, do you think that level of defense from Zion can be maintained? How do you think a performance like that will change opinions in-house surrounding Zion's positional versatility, mainly as a small ball five? I like this question because there's a lot of parts to it. But let's start with the first one. Can he maintain that level of defense, let's say, on a, on a night-to-night basis? And I'm going to tell you right now the answer is no, for a few reasons. One, you know, I think he kind of was a man on a mission that night to really make an impact on that side of the ball. So certainly he's capable of that and has that as kind of his ceiling as a player. But it was also a preseason game where he wasn't playing extended minutes. He didn't play in the second half at all. Keeping up that energy level on the defensive side of the ball for the entirety of the minutes that you play, say 33 per game for him, is really hard to do. And it impacts your energy level on the offensive end where he's going to need to do a whole lot of work because that's where the Pelicans' problems are. Defensively, they can be good. He was grabbing steals, but so were others, and they were getting out in transition and running. That kind of pressing defense is what we saw from them last year. It worked. They're going to be able to do that. So he's not needed to put on a defensive performance like that. If you have it as a trade-off, right, for as much effort as you give defensively, you lose some on offense. I want him expending that energy on offense. If they're not using him on offense for whatever reason, like that game against the Rockets in Birmingham, then yeah, you better show out on the defensive side of the ball. But 
I do think he can raise his level on the defensive side of the ball this year. You know, he looked like Duke Zion in that game. That was what I loved about him coming into the draft, into the league. He has just this instinctual feel of knowing when to jump passing lanes, and then he turns it into an instant fast break. He knows when to run up and just rip the ball out of somebody, and he's so strong he can do that. But is he going to be able to have that energy level for 30-plus minutes per night on both sides? I don't know. Think about Drew Holiday here. You know, when he was having those amazing defensive games, he would often struggle offensively because the energy just wasn't there. And if you look at it, the team tried to actually manage that. I've spoken about this if you're a long-time everydayer of the show. You know, they liked playing him in eight-minute bursts. We don't like that word here, but we're going to use it. Spurts, stints, because... They realized that would help him keep his energy level up. The more he played, the you know more goes down. But if you played him at eight minutes, was like his optimal thing. You know, could you do that with Zion? Maybe, but I don't think that's really what you want to do. And I think that's where this gets a little bit kind of complicated and tricky and trying to find the right balance with that. The other part to this question, so he's capable of playing like that. I just don't think you'll see it every game. I think you'll see it more often than we've seen it in the past, though, which is a step up. The second part to this question is, you know, how does it change opinions in-house about around his positional versatility, mainly as a small ball five? Look, they want to use him at the five this year. They want to use him at the five this year. We've seen it. I don't think you'll necessarily see it every game, but it's something you can deploy and use when you need to. And for the most part, the Zion at the five minutes looked relatively good, like borderline great at times. So they'll use it. You know, I don't think they view him as anything other than, say, a small ball five. And they're cool with rolling, not other than that, but like, I think they're cool. They, I misspoke there. They view him as a small ball five. Maybe not all of the time, but they definitely think he can play that position. Otherwise, you wouldn't have heard them talking about it and implementing it into games. Now, maybe some of that had to do with Larry Nance Jr. not being available. Cody Zeller not playing in preseason at all. That's fine, but I think they'll try and use that. You know, the issue with that is rebounding. He's a very strong offensive rebounder. He's not as good of a defensive rebounder. You know, he doesn't have the height to necessarily challenge guys at the rim and be a rim protector, which you kind of need in a small ball lineup if you're struggling to rebound. So that's where it becomes a little bit of an issue. That's why I think you see these lineups in smaller parts smaller runs here and there just to kind of use as a counter or if there's injuries and you've got to do something. I don't know if they're going to, you know, really embrace Zion at the five. I just don't know if that's his natural position. I think he is much more of a power forward and a creator that way. You know, if he can somehow start getting more blocks, but you know, he's six, 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 eight in shoes, let's say. And there's somewhat of a limitation there. Do you also want him putting his body on the line to get beaten up like that, given some of the injuries that he's had or the injury history he's had and the amount of games that he's missed. I'm not sure that you do. So all of that kind of factors in and becomes a little bit of a problem with this. You know, how do you just best maximize your franchise player, the generational talent that you have on the team? Is it to tell him, don't, you know, use up all your energy defensively because we need you on offense or is it just, you know, you pull him and, and play him in the right kind of spurts and rotation and all that? It's all, you know, a trade-off and it's it's a tough balancing act to find here. But seeing him do that, I think, makes you encourage that you're going to get those kind of performances from him. I thought he was good on ball last year. I thought he was good defender on ball. Not amazing. Not bad, though. A good defender on ball for the most part. 
Off ball is where he struggled. You saw him look much better off ball in the win the other night over the Orlando Magic. That's the most encouraging thing. I don't know if we need to worry about this every single game, but if you can get him for a little bit, every other game, every three games, something like that, that's a much improved Zion Williamson, and that'll kind of make people take note around the league. So coming up next, trade talk. This is a great question. What record do the Pelicans need to have um, to make a trade during the season? So that's a great one. Let's answer that coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. I'm excited to tell you, though, about Jace Medical First. The Jace case is exactly what everyone in South Louisiana needs. With hurricanes and the threat of evacuation, it can make getting your medications uncertain, whether it's supply chain issues when we're coming back, or maybe your your medical provider is evacuating too and you can't get in touch to get a refill or anything like that. So the Jace case is the personalized emergency medication kit, which is the solution. It contains five essential antibiotics that treat the most common and deadly bacterial infections. And now you can customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your unique needs. Jace Medical now offers customization for your Jace case with dozens of add-on medications, and you choose the medications that fit you and your family's unique needs. And they're continuing to expand their medication offerings, including adding ivermectin as an option to the Jace case. Or you can just buy a gift card so your family and loved ones can get the Jace, a, get a Jace case of their own. So go to jacemedical.com, be prepared for hurricane season. It's still going on. We're not out of the woods yet and enter code locked on at checkout for a $20 discount on your order. That's promo code locked on at jacemedical.com, J-A-S-E medical.com. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We are here Monday through Friday, breaking down everything you want to know about this Pelicans team, the number one Pelicans podcast out there. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast, tell a friend about the show, and of course, make Locked On Saints your second listen today. Ross Jackson, breaking down everything black and gold. It's a game day for the Saints. Can they get back on track against the Jaguars? We really hope so because I'm not loving the way this season is going so far. And if you want to support Locked On Pelicans, become a Locked On Pelicans insider. The link is in the description down below. You can text me. It's really great. I respond right to you. Someone was like, give me your thoughts on this prediction. I gave them my thoughts right to them personally. That's how you can interact with me on a more one-to-one basis. You just sign up with your phone number. It costs $4.99 a month, but you get a 14-day free trial. If you don't like it, just cancel. That's okay. The show's still free in five days a week for y'all, but give it a try. Okay, let's get into not trade talk per se, but like what would make it so that the Pelicans could have trade talk out there and everything. So I've said, and I did a show if you're an everydayer on this, I've talked about this a good bit. The Pelicans need to get off to a fast start because I do think if you're below 500 at the trade deadline, if you're below 500 at the trade deadline and they're still over the salary cap or over the luxury tax, they might just be like, okay, this isn't worth it. The West is too competitive. We're we're not going to be able to make up ground. Let's then just kind of punt this season, trade away Kyra Lewis Jr. or someone else to dump salary, and that's going to be that. Maybe we make a run, maybe not. That's not an ideal situation. It's kind of similar to what they did at the trade deadline this year, this past season, right? Where they just dumped Devontae Graham. That was a cost-saving move for this season, which looking at it was kind of smart given the situation that they're in. I told you 
that that was coming. I told you that was coming. I said they weren't going to make a big move at the trade deadline because of their luxury tax concerns this season. That's the type of analysis you get here on the Locked On Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So that stands true. I think they need to be around 500 or better. 500 or better or like just a shade under. You know, they need to solidly be in around the six to eight seed. Six to eight seed if they want to make a real big move. You know, you could convince me on it if they're nine or ten that they can try and do this and go for it thinking they can get out of the play in tournament. But if they're 11 and it's looking like a long shot and 11 still going to be close to 10, that won't be that many games behind. You know, so you can keep trying to kind of justify this with any sort of numbers, but I do think it's like 500 or better, or at least that they've like shown something, you know, does it look promising? You know, there's different kinds of 500 ball that you can play. There's uninspired 500 ball where talent's getting you some game, but you're like, yeah, this team isn't actually that good. There's also 500 ball where, you know, they do look like they're figuring things out and you see the growing pains being more evident. And once they figure those out, they'll start to take off a little bit. You know, the Pelicans did that with Brandon Ingram at the end of last season is they kind of had to go, I think it was nine and three over the final 12, something like that, to get into the playing tournament where they ultimately lost. But they were playing really good basketball. If they are kind of in like that position, I think you can see a move coming. That's where I think you see them kind of going all in with it all. You know, one of the parts, and this question, by the way, comes from Brian Solio at B-R-I-A-N-S-O-I-L-E-A-U. And he says, what record do you think it will take by the trade deadline for the Pels to trade some of their draft assets for a player to make it feel like they're going all in? Like, it's 500 better, I think. You know, shade around there. Or even if they're under 500, that you see the promise. If you don't see the promise and the offense still looks like it does, I think it might be easier just to say, like, yeah, no, this isn't it. And we just really need to rethink things this offseason. This also... There's, there's an asterisk I want to put on this, though. You know, I do see a world where they're under 500 or out of the playoff race and they still make a significant move. But it's going to be for like a big name player where they almost kind of cash in all of their chips. You know, not uh, probably bigger than CJ McCollum, but kind of similar to that. Imagine if they had traded for CJ McCollum at that trade deadline, but didn't make the postseason. It was probably still the right move to go and get that kind of guy. Similar to like when they traded for DeMarcus Cousins and they were a couple of games out of the playoff race and they just weren't able to overcome it and get that eight seed, but still the right move to go in for a player at that level. That's where I still can see something happening. That's where you go, okay. We're never going to get a better crack at a player like this at this level of this caliber. We need to go and do this now. So let's do it. We'll pay the luxury tax and we know we're going to be freaking awesome next season. That's, I think, what you're looking for them to potentially do and cash in a lot of those draft picks or so. That's where I think you see them make a very big trade kind of going for broke and just basically being like next year, not this season, but next season, even if we miss out on the playoffs this year, is like the year that we are pushing for it and we're trying to be a contender. And after that, if it doesn't work out, who knows? And maybe we blow it up from there. That, I believe, is when you will really see something happen. I don't know if a player like that's going to be available. Like, it's not James Harden. It's not James Harden. A bunch of y'all asked me about James Harden the other day. It's not going to be James Harden. No one asked me in the live show, which was nice, I think. 
but it's certainly not going to be James Harden. That is not the type of player that you want to bring into this team. You know, I don't really know. It would be a Joel Embiid if he was available. I don't think he's going to be available at the trade deadline. You know, I don't know if that's a guy like Malcolm Brogdon that I think would be good for this team off the bench, just like a reliable scoring guard. You know, I think that's kind of in the first part of it of, okay, we're 500. Let's go and get Malcolm Brogdon and give us that more scoring pop and scoring punch that we need. That's the type of move there. But it's bigger names than that that are the one that you like push all in, even if you're under 500 and it doesn't look like that's going to help you overcome everything in the postseason. But the Pelicans are in position to be able to do that. They can still go get almost anybody in the league. You know, the Thunder have better stuff. I think the Spurs maybe have a couple better picks. But they're kind of in that top five, top seven, you know, teams that could go out and make a significant move. So this is why getting off to a fast start is important. You want them to be able to make the right move at the trade deadline and feel empowered to do so. Coming up, X factors. I got one in particular that you're not thinking, one that you probably are. One that we see all the time, too. That's coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. Today's episode of Locked on Pelicans, I'm excited, is brought to you by FanDuel. Snap into action this NFL season. Look, the Saints are a slight favorite. Maybe we're feeling good. Maybe you want to take them on the spread. Maybe you want to take the under knowing they're not going to score a ton of points. You can do it all with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers, you've never bet with them before. This is the time to do it. You're going to get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time. Bet on the Saints. If you feel good about the Pelicans after that final preseason game, they're over under the win total set at 44 and a half. Do you think it's going to be above that, below that? Maybe you're worried about their offense in the preseason. You're not feeling as good. You got an opportunity here. There's spreads, there's player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season, tip off the NBA season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. And thank you for making Lockdown Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We are here Monday through Friday for y'all breaking down everything you want to know, the number one Pelicans podcast out there, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. And if you want to support the channel, become an everydayer. Listen Monday through Friday. Let me know if you're an everydayer in the comments down below. If you see me in person, tell me you're an everydayer. You're going to get a high five from me. And if you want to really support the channel, become a Locked On Pelicans insider. You can text me. I get to text you back. Ask me your questions. Just ask how your day is going. Whatever it is, I'll chat with y'all. It's really cool. It goes right to your phone. It comes from the 504 number I have and everything. So it's awesome. Okay. Let's, and the link to that is in the description down below. Let's look at X factors. This one comes from Everett Cooper, I believe, who I believe is an everydayer. Let me know in the comments down below, Everett. The one N, I'm just going to spell that out, at T-H-E, the number one, N-O-N-L-Y, Coop, C-O-O-P, the one and only Coop here. Who's your dark horse X factor this year? I have two for you. I have two. It's not necessarily going to be who you think. First one, by the way, I think is Herb Jones, a starter. He shot the three ball relatively well in preseason. The team needs to up their three-point shooting. They did not shoot the three ball particularly well in preseason. That's not encouraging. They definitely need Trey Murphy back, certainly. But, but Herb Jones is making corner threes. We talked about this in the live show yesterday. You know, they're not guarding him on the perimeter. You see, he's wide open because teams are not focused on him. They're ignoring him because he's a non-offensive threat for the most part. But the more he makes those corner threes, 
the more teams are going to absolutely be forced to guard him. If he carries over some of the three-point shooting that he's had from last season, we shot 45% on, albeit very limited volume, around two and a half per game. But I'm telling you, if he does that, I think he can be okay. I think he can make teams pay. And that's all you're looking for him to do. You're not looking for him to light it up. You're looking for him to make teams pay and to beat them, burn them when those players, I'm trying to find his like individual stats from the preseason here and I can pull that up and that will help me. Um, He shot 50% from three. He's taking two, where did the numbers just go? He's taking two and a half threes per game and he's making 1.3 of them. He's shooting 50% from three. Can that go to four? Can he go from two and a half three-point attempts a game to four and he's making two? That ups you. That's how you add more three-point shooting. That corner three is a weapon and the Pelicans are trying to do it. Notice he's in the corner a whole lot more and he's going to get those looks. And if he keeps converting those looks, those are things that are going to burn opponents. They're going to have to defend him on the perimeter. He's an X factor for that. You know, there's only so many ways this team's going to be able to increase their three-point shooting, particularly while Trey Murphy's out. Herb Jones is one of them. Brandon Ingram's the other. They need him to take more threes. He only took 2.8 threes per game, shot 9%. I think he was one of 11. They need him to take more threes than that per game. Those are like the two biggest areas. If he can do that, I think he could be, you know, a very good player offensively, Herb Jones. The other guy that I think is Dyson Daniels. You know, we can start with the three-point shooting. Shot 42% from three on three attempts per game. That's not bad. Making the same as Herb Jones, 1.3. You know, we saw him with the rebounding. We saw with the assists. We saw him be a menace defensively. And there were a couple of lineups that I that worked. You know, I wonder if you go with an interesting small ball lineup of Zion at the five, Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum, Trey Murphy, and Dyson Daniels instead of Herb Jones. You know, do you do that to maybe get more shooting, more, you know, just a, 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 another facilitator out there too? And if he's going to shoot 40-something percent from three and if Herb's struggling, you can run that lineup out there. And they've done a little bit with that minus Trey, and it's not looked bad. I like that. You know, could you run Zion, B.I., C.J., and Dyson Daniels and Herb, particularly if they're both shooting above 40% from three? And I think you could. Those are the type of things that get me really excited about this team and what they're capable of doing. I think those are the X factors. I know a lot of you are probably saying rookie Jordan Hawkins. You know, he was firing away from three in preseason, which I love. That's what we want to see. He led the team in three-point attempts during preseason at 7.5. Didn't shoot it particularly well. 33% making just 2.5 of them. But you know what? The fact that he was ripping them and being a threat is something that was pretty good. And I do think that three-point percentage number is going to go up as, you know, the season goes on for him. So there's a lot of potential there for him. I just don't see him getting a ton of minutes right away unless these injuries, you know, remain for the team. You could look at Jose Alvarado being an X factor, giving the team a jolt of energy when he's out there on the court. If he finds a three-point shot, I think that's going to be really big. But for the most part, you're looking at guys that are in the rotation that can take a step forward. I don't see EJ Liddell, you know, in the rotation to start the year necessarily. That's kind of part of the problem there, I think. You know, Trey Jemison, if they sign him to a two-way deal, isn't going to get a ton of minutes. Kyra Lewis Jr., 20 minutes per game. Like, maybe he still looked fast, but is he going to play over someone like Jordan Hawkins? I'm not entirely sure. He didn't shoot the three ball well in 
preseason. You know, C. Brown's on a two-way. They're not going to play him. Same for Kaiser Gates. It gets kind of thin on like who your X-Factor players are relatively quickly there. But I do think it could be Herb Jones if he's making his three-point shots and if he can up the volume of three-point attempts too. And I think it's going to be Dyson Daniels because they want to find the right kind of role for him. And I think he's a good enough player. I've never been off Dyson, the Dyson train here. Um, so I think he can be a really useful guy. So those are my X-Factors going into this season. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Let me know in the comments down below on YouTube. I'm curious what you say um, and how you answer that question. Also, is there a trade target you have? Uh, like we talked about in the second segment. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Lockdown Pelicans. One more show, no live show tonight, Thursday, because of the Saints game. I'm going to be watching that instead. We'll have a show out for you, though. Um, and then we'll get you set next week. Season starts next week. We're a week away as I record this on Wednesday. That's exciting. I can't wait. Subscribe wherever you get the, your podcast and on YouTube. Tell a friend about the show. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow. <laughs>